This is Kimball Lorchi, and you are listening to Boldly Stated. I want to welcome everyone back to season three, and I'm so excited to jump right in to a topic that I think everyone is talking about right now. A lot of people are feeling like we don't really have an accurate idea about what's going on with COVID, and it's creating a lot of confusion and a lot of frustration. You can blame the media, you can blame our polarized politics, maybe even the pharmaceutical companies. And probably your objections would be right on some level. But today we're gonna take a really big step back. I've invited Dr. Heather Court, who has been a hospitalist in Kansas City for 16 years. She works at three hospitals and logs about 70 hours a week when she's working to give us the facts, um, because I think we can all really benefit from a firsthand account of what's going on. So Dr. Court, thank you so much for being here. I am so excited to talk with you and to have this conversation. Thank you so much for having me. I think it is an important conversation to have, and um, I'm excited to be here. Wonderful. I don't think people really have an idea of what is going on with this Delta variant. You know, are people getting sick? Are people not getting sick? How serious is it from your perspective? Right, so the Delta variant, which is the predominant variant now in the United States, 90% of what is COVID now is actually the Delta variant. And the difference with the Delta variant compared to the COVID original virus that was circulating around is that the the Delta variant is much more contagious and unfortunately is causing more sickness. And in this particular case, in a younger age bracket, um, we're just seeing a lot more patients, families, um, whole, whole sets of families are getting admitted to the hospital due to, again, how much this Delta variant spreads. So as far as hospital and how many people are landing in the hospital, what are what are you seeing right now? So again, I go to three different hospitals in the Kansas City area. Um, what we're seeing in the hospital is unvaccinated, for the most part, patients that are getting so sick. And they're young. These are patients anywhere between the ages of 20 and 65. These are not the 80-year-olds, 90-year-old patients that we were seeing originally with the COVID virus. And um, again, these patients are getting much more sick than they were with the original virus. So I have to ask you, right, if, if these patients are mostly unvaccinated and they end up in the hospital and they're really, really sick, are they sorry that they didn't get vaccinated? So just this week, we had a patient who um, the son of the patient who I was taking care of got sick and he's the only he's an only child. So he got a COVID test. His first COVID test was negative. And when he test, he's unvaccinated. When he tested negative, he went to stay at his mom's house <clears throat> because he wasn't feeling good. And he thought his mom could take care of him. Well, as it turns out, second test was positive. He was COVID positive. His mom, who was also unvaccinated, tested positive for COVID. And she ended up, she was 80. She ended up really sick in the ICU. And we actually finally yesterday we took her off the vent. She wasn't getting any better and she passed. And it was really hard for the son because essentially the son, A, was the one that told the mom not to get the vaccine. B, the son was the one that brought COVID to her house, um, obviously not intentionally. 
And then, so essentially the son had the hardest time, you know, making the decision to withdraw care because he felt like he killed his mother. Mm. So, I mean, I, I could, I mean, it's story after story like that. So I have another guy in ICU who's probably in his late forties who unvaccinated, um, He's been in the ICU for like five days and he's not coming off the oxygen. And he yesterday started writing his will from his hospital bed. I don't know that. I mean, he might survive. I'm not saying he will or won't, but like he gets it. He's these people see the writing on the wall. And then I think um, if you have depression or anxiety, imagine being in a room like literally for weeks that you, you know, you can't come out of. I, I, I can't imagine yeah. It's so, it's so I so I mean, hard. I sorry for them because of what yeah. they're going through. It's just so frustrating because what they're going through 95% of the time could have been, been prevented. Right. With the vaccine. Mm-hmm. The, this last few months has probably been some of the most disheartening, probably the most disheartening part of my career. Again, I've been doing this for 16 years. And it's, it's just so sad because a lot, if not most of what we're seeing in the hospital, as far as COVID goes is completely preventable. These patients didn't have to be this, the sick. These people didn't have to have moms or dads who are dying now of COVID. Um, and what's more disheartening is that the patients that did, um, get their vaccine and are in the hospital for a different reason. Maybe they had a heart attack. Maybe they have pneumonia, maybe they had a stroke, can't get the medical care that they need because the hospital is so full of patients who are unvaccinated with COVID. Can you explain that a little bit more? So give me an example of what you're talking about. People who are vaccinated or, you know, coming in for other reasons, not able to get the care that they, they need. Right. So because the hospitals are overrun right now. Um, all across the country, but in Kansas as well, with COVID patients, there aren't rooms in the hospital to admit people. So we have had to hold people in hallways, in closets. We have held people um, in post-operative areas. There are not enough rooms to house all of the patients. And so this not only includes the COVID patients, but the patients are there that are there for other reasons as well. And then, you know, some hospitals don't offer services that you might get at a bigger, larger hospital. So if you have a patient, for example, this happened at our hospital, a patient who had a certain um, aneurysm in the brain, in their brain, and they needed to be transferred to a higher level of care. They needed to be transferred to a hospital that had the specific type of doctor who could deal with this very specific problem. And we have a few of those hospitals here in the Kansas City area, and none of those hospitals had openings to accept our patient because the hospitals are all full. So this particular patient had to wait on, on what would normally be an emergent situation because they couldn't be transferred due to lack of beds. Honestly, that, that is a horrifying thought, right? That you would need emergency care and not be able to get it because the hospital is full of essentially patients who could have prevented being there in the first place. Right. And really with COVID, the whole thought process, even originally was to wear your masks, 
do the things that need to be done to prevent the hospitals from being overrun, you know, and, and, and that is a huge problem and it's happening. I mean, across the country, there are plenty of healthcare systems that have no ICU beds or very few ICU beds at this point, which not only uh, um, makes it so that we can't treat the COVID patients, but it makes it so we can't treat any patients that need an ICU bed for any reason, um, which is a terrible place to be. So, so I feel like there's a lot of people who've just sort of like washed their hands of it and are like, Hey, you know, you don't want to get the vaccine. That's your right to choose, or you don't want to get involved in this. You know, it's kind of not my problem. Everybody should just have the right to do what's best for their family. If I took that mindset, right, and I'm driving down Highway 40, Highway 64, right, that connects our two states, um, and I have a massive car accident with my two children in the car, and God forbid we need medical care right now, right, and and it is life-threatening, we might not be able to get that care right now because there is not room in the hospital for potentially for people who need emergency care right now due to unvaccinated patients taking up space in the hospitals. Correct. With COVID. Correct. It's a big problem right now. And even if you, you know, got the care that you needed in the emergency room, you might wait and you might be admitted into the emergency room and stay in an emergency room situation We've had patients who have stayed in the emergency room for three and four days because no beds have opened up in the hospital. And so ultimately, this does affect everybody, vaccinated or not. Um, this affects everybody. One of the arguments I think that that I've, I've heard um, for people who are concerned about either getting the vaccine or concerned about wearing masks is this sort of personal freedom choice, right? They feel that getting a vaccine or being asked to get a vaccine or being asked to wear a mask somehow infringes upon their personal choice. But as a society and as someone who treats, you know, treats the community, you're treating people you don't know every day. You show up and you're treating people you don't know as part of your job and the oath that you've taken. What do you say about that argument when it's impacting your ability to you know to, to adequately provide emergency services to the community as a whole, right? When one section of the community is taking up the entire hospital based on this, you know, right to choose or freedom to choose. And essentially it's depriving other people of care they really, really need. Right. What do you think about that? So I, you know, I, I think that in a public community crisis that sure, everyone has the right to choose, and there are certain people who maybe aren't candidates to get the vaccine, but I think all in all, you know, what, what we do, whether we choose to get the vaccine or whether we choose to wear a mask in a public place is not as much affecting us, although it does, but it is affecting everyone else, everyone else in the grocery store, everyone else at school, everyone else who's under the age of 12 and not qualified to get the vaccine yet. And it's our job as a community to protect everybody, not just yourself, not just your family, but the whole community. I think as physicians, um, and not just physicians, but nurses that work in hospital, who the, the, you know, the person who's delivering your meal to your hospital bed, the person who's cleaning your room, all of those people also have families 
And um, they're coming to work every day, taking care of patients that, you know, had they, had they done, taken one for the team, so to speak, had they gotten their vaccine, they wouldn't be there. They wouldn't be contagious. And, you know, healthcare workers are getting infected. Healthcare workers are dying. It just seems as though this is, this is an easy solution. It's hard to understand how, how there are forces out there that are so strong that they can override what people should. You know, I think that the word on the street is that, so what, even if you get COVID getting COVID is not as bad as, as potentially your side effects from getting the vaccine, which maybe was true for the COVID original. If you had no medical problems and kids, you know, people, you know, those people weren't getting that sick, but this Delta variant seems to be a different beast and patients who are otherwise healthy are getting sick and having a really hard time recovering. I think that people think that even if they get hospitalized with COVID, they'll be in the hospital for a day or two. We'll give them some medicine and they're going to get better and go home. And I think if people knew that a lot of patients are staying in the hospital for two, three, four weeks at a time on high flow oxygen, not able to move, not able to get around, not able to leave their room, I think people might think differently about, you know, being hospitalized. Yeah. Well, and that's just, um, that's just the hospital part, right? Like then there's the recovery, right? They're missing months of work months. I would love to show you, and I don't know why this hasn't been in the media, but like a chest x-ray of a patient that has COVID. I mean, it's awful. Like it just looks like, can you show me? I mean, this is the thing, right? Like the media covers it the way the media wants to cover it. And it starts to feel like everybody has a vested interest in the information that we're given. So to me, it feels really refreshing to hear from a doctor who's on the front lines. Like, this is the reality. This is what I see every day. You know, this is just the truth of what is. And I guess the other thing I want to ask you while I have you is, so this idea of a breakthrough infection, I'm, I'm getting the sense that people are starting to think, well, these vaccines don't really work if people are getting COVID anyway. Can you speak to that? Because I don't think that's actually the case. So there have been breakthrough infections um, in vaccinated patients with the Delta variant. So that they think that the Delta variant is probably somewhere between 70 and 80, or excuse me, that the vaccine is approximately 70 to 80% effective against the Delta variant. So there's going to be breakthrough infections. But those people who are having the breakthrough infections are having mild symptoms. These are not the patients that are getting hospitalized or no symptoms. And maybe they test positive, you know, incidentally, but those patients can carry the virus, which is why they have um, now decided that everyone vaccinated or not needs to be wearing masks when they're in public places, schools, et cetera so that we can protect those that are unvaccinated from getting sick. Okay. That makes sense. Um, One last question. So the Delta variant, my understanding is that it emerged because we still had such a high population of unvaccinated people. Mm -hmm. Is that, is that true? The variants emerge in the unvaccinated population. So the variants, the more virus that is circulating, the more it has a chance to um, morph 
and change into something that can continue to be spread. So what's happening now is there's a new variant. There's multiple new variants, but there there's a new variant that is definitely starting to circulate that will likely um, not be as effective with our current vaccines. And that's really scary. So the Delta variant, fortunately, you know, is, is pretty well um, taken care of with our current vaccines. Once this virus has a chance to mutate further, A, it, there could be, it could morph into something that has the higher mortality rate than what this virus already has. B, it could become even more contagious. And C, maybe it's not touched by our current vaccine. So it's so important to limit the amount of virus out there in the world so that it doesn't have a chance to morph into something more dangerous and more contagious. And the best way to do that is through get vaccinated. Mm -hmm. The less people that have the virus, the less this virus spreads, the less it has a chance to mutate. We're so lucky in this country. We have the vaccine. It's plentiful. You can get it. It's free Um, at any drugstore. You know, it's everywhere now. You know, people in other countries aren't as fortunate. They would love to have the vaccine as readily as available as we do in this country. We're so lucky here. And yet um, we're not we're not taking it. So if you could give people a message, you know, based on on what you're seeing and I want to be clear, like you don't have any political reason to tell people to get vaccinated or not. No. I mean, you're, you're coming from you don't have any financial reason. You're coming from a public health perspective and a public health perspective only. Correct. Correct. I mean, literally someone who's trying to save lives. Correct. Okay. <laughs> I, I like that. So when I have this conversation with patients who might be in the hospital for some other reason, they're not even there for COVID, but I ask everybody now, have you received the vaccine? And for those people who say no, and for those of my friends and family who maybe haven't received the vaccine, I wish I could take you to the ICU or to, we have two COVID units open at our hospital. And I wish I could bring you into the rooms to talk to these people who have Um, again, been in the hospital for weeks on high flow oxygen, feeling like they can't take a deep breath, coughing, um, too weak to even hardly get out of bed, um, ending up with complications secondary to those things like blood clots in their legs or blood clots in their lungs or secondary, you know, infectious processes from lying in bed for so long. I wish, I wish I could bring people, grab them by their hand and bring them to the hospital with me so that they could see this is real. This isn't a conspiracy. This isn't, I mean, I'm not even sure what else to say that this is other than, you know, this is a real situation right now. It's a real problem right now. It's not something that you want to deal with yourself personally, not something you want your mom, your dad, your brother, your sister, your cousin to have to deal with. Um, No one wants to get COVID and certainly no one wants to be hospitalized with COVID. I'm hoping that by having you explain what is going on, you know, truly having your perspective that it gives a little bit of that reality to people because there is so much misinformation and it's so unfortunate because, you know, it's a lot of, he said, she said, Oh, I know this person who, you know, experienced this, or this person said this, and it gets spread and it gets reshared and reposted. And the next thing you know, 
you know, people are, are spouting things as if they're true, which are not true at all. And it becomes very hard to combat that. So, you know, my, my thought is let's talk to someone who's there every day, 70 hours a week in a hospital, three hospitals filled with COVID patients, younger COVID patients, right? Yep. Patients who you would never expect to be in the hospital and certainly not who you would expect to be in the hospital for three and four weeks at a time if they're the lucky ones that get to discharge from the hospital. You know, I just finished a week working again, 10, 12 hour days. And this past week I've had three patients who passed from COVID um, or complications from COVID. And, you know, again, as physicians, as nurses, as people who work in the hospital, it's heartbreaking when you have one of your patients die. And I can only tell you it's even more heartbreaking when this could have been prevented. I'm so sorry. That's so hard. Thank you so much for the work that you're doing. I cannot imagine what it takes to do that day after day. And I'm really grateful for you and all the other people on the front line, taking care of people you don't know, people who, you know, technically are putting you at risk in in some way and you still show up to provide the very, very best care to every single person that shows up in your hospitals. So thank you. And thank you for taking the time today. Well, thank you for having me and um, get your vaccine, wear your mask in public places, um, not just for yourself, but to protect everyone else in your community. Absolutely. Thank you so much. You're welcome. This is Kim Balorchi, and you've been listening to Boldly Stated. Please consider sharing this episode. I honestly think that sometimes a little perspective and more information can be really, really helpful. And in this case, it could save a life. So if you found Dr. Quartz's message as compelling as I did, share with your friends, share with your family, spread this message. Together, we can make a difference. This is how we use our voices. Also, if you love this podcast, hop on to Apple Podcasts and give us five stars. Thank you for listening, and we will be back in a week with a brand new episode.